Our scripture reading this morning will be taken from Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27, verses 22 through 54. And if you're following along in your pew Bibles, that can be found on page 879. Matthew chapter 27, verses 22 through 54. Pilate said to them, What then shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said to him, Let him be crucified. And then the governor said, Why, what evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that a tumult was rising, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of this just person, you see to it. And all the people answered and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus to the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. When they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off him, put his own clothes on him, and led him away to be crucified. Now as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. He they compelled to bear his cross. And when they had come to a place called Golgotha, that is to say, place of a skull, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink. But when he had tasted it, he would not drink. Then they crucified him, and divided his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Sitting down, they kept watch over him there, and they put up over his head the accusation written against him, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and the other on the left. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, You who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests, also mocking with the scribes and the elders, said, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he is the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. Even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour... Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there when they heard that said, This man is calling for Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and took a sponge, 
filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked and the rocks were split, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. And I survey the come to mind after we have sang and after we have read about the crucifixion of our Lord and we have sang those songs that have reminded us what words come to mind, what thoughts come to mind, what feelings overtake you as you hear this. What comes to mind is a cross and it's pretty amazing that, that a cross is the symbol for whatever reason has been chosen to represent Christianity. Of all the symbols in the world, it's, it's sort of amazing that, that a cross would be the symbol that, that sort of stands out when people see that. They go, yes, that is a, that is a quote, Christian symbol. That is representative of a Christ. And, and, and while I sit there and go, why, why would a cross be a, a good symbol? Because if I were picking something to represent, I'm not sure I would want an instrument of death to represent who our Savior is. But I think one of the reasons a cross is fitting and when we look at a cross, we actually get to see how bad sin is. 
It's really easy to forget sometimes our, uh, the, the, the weight of sin and what sin does. And, and we look at it, it, but when I think about some of the great atrocities that have happened through time, I can go, yeah, that's sin. That is definitely sinful. If I, if I think about uh, what the Nazis did in World War II, if I think about about 10 million Soviets, so many times we talk about the 6 million Jews, which is just overwhelming to think, but to realize that there were 1.8 million Polish people who were non-Jewish who were killed. About 10 million Soviets who, who were killed at that time. We look at that and go, wow, Hitler may have been one of the most sinful people who have ever lived. It's so easy for us to identify that sin as being bad. Or maybe the bombing back in Oklahoma City that took place this month in 1995. I know if you're under a certain age, you, you may not even know this, but this is just one of the saddest, most horrific things to happen. When a guy by the name of Timothy McVeigh uh, blew up this building because it was more than just a building. You see what was done in just a, a few seconds. But one of the things that always stood out to me about this was, was he, he, he blew up a daycare center. Let that stick out just for a second. This is a daycare center. You just sit there and go, how horrible do you have to be to do that? And I go, wow, sin is horrible. And then when they asked Timothy McVeigh about it, he said it's collateral damage. That's just part of the price of doing business. That was his thought. He said, hey, in war, people die. He, he could care less. He, he, he didn't think anything about it. And, or, or, or we could think about what happened on 9-11. We can go, wow, look how sinful that is. We have no other words to describe it except for horrific and tra tragic. But see, when we go through the numbers, I remember what stood out to me was a special they did a year later, all the babies that lost parents that day. There's 61 baby carriers and babies in this picture. And that's not all. That's just the people who agreed to be a part of this. By the numbers, 3,000 that day lost, lost a parent. 1,300 children became orphans. You look at 61 widowed women gave birth over the next year that were agreed to do what? Participate in that photo shoot. But there were truly 120 children born in the next year to women whose husbands died in the, in the World Trade Center. We look at that and we, we think about how, how bad sin is. We have to realize the wages of sin is death. If you were to turn on the news this morning, you'd see that there's a, a series of explosions in Sri Lanka today where the bombs have been set in really nice hotels and in church buildings. And so far, the, the death toll is up to about 207. We look and we go, wow, that, that is death. We, we sit there and we can see how bad that, that is. But to realize that Romans 6.23, we, we see that the wages of sin is death. The payoff for sin is spiritual death. Isn't it amazing that the cross has become like jewelry? That is something that, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I'm thankful that people are proud of Jesus, and I'm thankful for that. But I sit there and think about, I don't see people walking around and wearing a small electric chair around their neck. 
or, or, or walking around with what? With, with a, 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 something to a, a syringe to symbolize a lethal injection because what a cross was, a cross was a method of what? Capital punishment. That's what it was seen as. It was, it was seen as the worst way to die. It was not for everybody. It was reserved for, for people who they saw was really bad. The Romans could care, care less. They, they, if they wanted to kill somebody, they would kill them. But it was something that they did, hopefully, to what? Deter anyone else from wanting to do that. What we have to realize, when, when we sing the songs, when we think about Jesus on the cross, what sent Jesus to the cross? There's been a great argument whether it was the Jews who sent Jesus to the cross or whether it was Pilate who sent Jesus to the cross back and forth. Can I tell you, sin sent Jesus to the cross. Mine and yours, every sin from Adam and Eve forward. So when I look at this cross, I see how bad sin is, but also I see how great God's love is. How great. And how deep the Father's what love for us. When I look at the cross, I, I see His incredible love for us and how, how much that He cares for us. See, the second part of that verse, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We, we see the, the positive of that. We see the love that is shared. We see what has been given to us. Galatians 3.13 says that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. See, the, the verses from Colossians 3 says, Cursed it is everyone who hanged on a tree, and that's taken from one of the Psalms. Again, when they thought about people who were going to die a certain way, to be hanged on a tree was a special kind of bad, reserved for a special kind of bad kind of person. They, they believed in a, a doctrine, and some, some people believe in it today, called divine retribution. Here's what that means. If a tornado hits your house, they believe you must have been really sinful, and that's how God was going to punish you. If you were in a car wreck, if something happened, there was no accidents, there was nothing like that, God was punishing you because you had done something wrong. Remember Job? When Job, Job all these bad things happened, what did his friends say? Man, you must have really been doing something bad because if you weren't doing something bad, God wouldn't have done this to me. What's Job saying? Hey, I, I didn't do anything to deserve this. When the people in the world looked and saw Jesus hang on a cross, what did they think? They didn't think, wow, God is a loving God. They thought, how horrible a person that must be because that's how he died. But that's how much he loved us. He, he was willing to suffer the worst death possible. For what? For, for us. First Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to our sins and live for righteousness. And by his wounds, what? We have been healed. Why? Because he loves us. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his what? only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his, world, his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world may be saved through him. See, it is a great love. When I see the cross, I should see the sin that took place that led him to that cross and the sin he was paying for, but I should see his great love for us. And so many times it's hard to imagine somebody loving us that much. 
Many of us through time may have had certain people who have shown us great love. But most of the time, we can sort of find a reason, right? They're our mama, okay? They, they gave birth to us. They're, they're our father, you know. They're, they're our grandma or our granddad. We, we go, wow, they love us. We, we, we can see this. But to realize that someone who was innocent died for the guilty, And part of seeing the cross is how bad sin is. We have to realize we are guilty to understand this love. Princess Alice had seven children back in 1878. She was the the daughter of of Queen Victoria. And what was going on is that there was a plague that was sweeping through. It was black diphtheria. It's one of the things that that we are uh, vaccinated against now. And it was sweeping through and it was taking the lives of many people. It was incredibly contagious. And if if you had this, what would they do? They would quarantine you off away from people. And if you lived through it, good. If you did not, that way you would not infect other people. Princess Alice was, was seen to be an incredibly loving mom to her seven children. And she had already had two children during this epidemic who'd passed away. One of her sons named Ernest came down with this black diphtheria. He, he, he was really sick and they took him and put him in a room by himself and they had medical professionals and they had servants taking care of him and they would not allow his mom to come in there. Why? Because they did not want this royalty to die. They, they did not want her to die and, and, and so she would stand outside that door and look in because she wanted to see her baby. She wanted to see her, her son. And one day what she heard was Ernest ask the servants who were taken care of and says, why doesn't mama kiss me anymore? What did this mama do? She blew past everybody, jumped in bed with him and began to kiss him and hold him. What happened to her? She died. But she would not allow her son to feel unloved and alone. That is, that is what she did. We need to realize when we see a cross, our Savior did not want us to be unloved and feel alone. He came to this earth, and he came here to make a difference in our life, to, 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 to save us so, so that we may know his great love and, and follow him. See, perfect love toward an imperfect being. That's God's love, and it is that great. That is how he loves me and, and, and loves you. And we looked and see, for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3, verse 23. And all of us are what? Justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came through Jesus Christ. Through his love, we have salvation. But God demonstrates his own love for us, and that while we were still sinners, he did what? He died for us, Romans 5, 8. See, the story isn't over. So many times, and I can be very guilty of this, we focus a lot on the cross, but that's not the full story. We, we focus on the cross, it's not the, the, the full story, because even though the cross has become the symbol, I don't know how you do a symbol from an open, for an open grave, but we need one. Because a cross without an open grave, then when we die, we stay in the ground. No, we're, we're never resurrected. See, without an open grave, we can live a good life. Our sins can be taken away, but guess what? 
There's no eternal life. There's no rebirth. None of those things. And, and look here, when we keep reading in Mark 16, verses 3 through 7, it said, And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone from the entrance for us? And looking up, they saw that a stone had been rolled away, and it was large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell the disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he has told you. Can you imagine them getting there? They're going to do what? Take care of a dead body. And they get there and realize that they have a living Savior. See, everything has changed with that empty tomb. I, I, I do find it interesting we focus one, more on one than the other. Maybe... It's that we like the guilt more than the celebration. Christianity should be a very joyful experience. It should be who we are. We have hope. We have things. And what gives us that hope? Yes, our sins must be taken away, but also Jesus must rise from the dead. If not, it is an incomplete story. We must realize that there are many people who have died for what they believe in. Throughout time, there are many, many, many people who have died for what they believe in. But you know what? Only one came out of the ground. That's what separates him. Remember what else? Yes, he was perfect. Yes, he died for, for us. He died out of love, and they put him in the ground. But the third day, he arose, and that makes everything different. And why? Because through that, he shows us how powerful God is and how powerful he is, how he is different than anyone else who has ever lived. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3, he says, For I received, I pass on to you as first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. He was death, burial, and he was resurrected. Mark 9, verse 31, what Scriptures the Son of Man is going to be delivered in the hands of men and they will kill him and when he is killed, three days later, he will rise. He said this is what is going to happen. Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17. He says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. He said, even if he has died on a cross, if he is still in the ground, our faith is futile. We can know that he was raised. Pilate ordered the tomb to be guarded. After the body was gone, he sent everyone out to do what? You, get, you better believe the Jews that, that wanted him dead and the Romans who crucified him wanted to find that body. They went out and they could not find a dead body. They found a living Savior. 1 Corinthians 15, 6 said that after Jesus had, had been raised, he appeared to over 500 people. You think about that. He is risen. We can know that. And knowing that he is risen, one thing we have to think about is this. Paul said this in Romans chapter 1. Paul said, Paul, a servant of Christ, Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of Christ, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures. 
concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ the Lord. He said, here's when we knew for sure that he was the son of God, when he was resurrected. When the tomb was empty, we can go, yes, he is the son of God. Paul said it affected us this way. Through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of the name among you all nations, including you who are called to belong to Christ Jesus. What does he say? Because Jesus Christ died on the cross, because the, the tomb is empty, that should change us. It should bring about what? Obedience of faith. See, it's one thing to be in awe or, or to be sad about Jesus dying on the cross. It's another thing to be in awe of him doing what? Of him coming out of the grave. It's a total other thing for our life to change because of it. For we, us to allow those things to shape our life. And we have to realize that a, that a cross and a, and a what? And an open grave change people. Do you realize that his physical brothers, his half-brothers, if you will, didn't believe in him. As he was growing up, they, did, they were growing up, they didn't believe that he was the son of God. That's what John 7, 5 says, for neither did his brethren or brothers believe in him. But then we can open our Bibles and we see a book of James and the book of Jude. Both of them identify themselves as who? The brothers of Jesus. So they went from skeptics at, at best to believers. Why? Because he died on a cross and because he rose from the grave. In John 12, says, his disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered these things had been written about him and had been done to him. As Jesus, what? Dies on the cross and is resurrected. That's when his apostles have an aha moment. He really is who he claimed to be. And how did it change them? We don't have time to go through all these today. But when you realize his apostles, all but John, died a martyr's death, died for what they believe in. Why? Because the death, burial, and resurrection changed them. In Acts chapter 2, when the first gospel sermon is preached, as Peter is preaching, he says, he, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection, Acts 2, verse 31, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and that we are all our witnesses. He said what? This, the one that you killed, he's been raised up. He said, let all the house of Israel know what? For certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you've crucified and has been what? And has been resurrected. What did they say? Men and brethren, what shall we do? Repent and be baptized, every one of you. That day, 3,000 people allowed the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus to change them. They chose to follow. I read a quote a couple years ago, and it really knocked me down uh, person said, Easter always makes me cry every year. Almost makes me cry every year, but I walk away completely unchanged by it. 
This person says, hey, they, they choose to worship on this day every year. They go, they, they sing the songs, they go to a service where they celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection, and it is incredible to be overwhelmed by that love, but when the final prayer is said, they walk out unchanged. Today, I ask, will you walk out unchanged? See, the purpose when we look at this, the cross and the open grave is so that we can recognize that Jesus is Lord and we can recognize that he did exactly what he said he was going to do. He loves us, he cares for us, and he wants us to be with him. See, if it's untrue, then all we're doing here today means nothing. But if it is true, then it means everything. Today, will it change you? When I think of a cross, I do think about how horrible sin is. I have to realize my sin is that horrible. But I see how great God's love is. But I see an empty tomb. I see his power over life and power over death. And through all that, I see his love and power. And, and, and it makes me want to follow him even more closely today. What does that do to you? Today, if you're not a Christian, it'd be awesome if you did what Teresa and Logan did earlier this week. If you make that decision today to do what? Choose to be baptized for remission of your sins. Do you know what we do when we do that? According to Romans 6, we go through the same thing. We stand in this water back here. We stand in this water dead in our sins. What do you do with dead people? You bury them. You're buried under the water. And guess what? We let you come back up. You're resurrected. I had a little boy that, uh, he wasn't little, he's about 16 years old. And, and uh, when I interned at a congregation, I, I worked at a congregation three years. And can I tell you, he was the biggest pain of any kid I've ever had in the youth group. And the last summer, th his parents said, you know what, since, since Craig's such a good influence on, us, on him, we're going to let him live with us. And so I never got a break from him, ever. There's a whole lot to that story that I'll skip because of time. One of the last nights I was there, he said, I want you to come out in the pool and I want you to baptize me. As we stood there in the pool, his knees were hitting together. I mean, he was shaking. I'm like, man, are you okay? I said, are you scared about the commitment? Are you scared about this? He goes, no, I'm just scared you won't let me back up. <laughs> he said, I know what you've done to me, what I've done to you. I did. See, if we just tried to copy the, the, the cross, we'd leave people underwater, but we don't. We're raised to walk in a what? In a new life, and today you can have that new life. Today will you give your life to him? Today you may say, Craig, I, I, I just need this church family. Pray for me because I don't want to leave here today unchanged. Today if we can help you in your walk with him, would you respond to his message and his invitation? Would you come now while we stand and while we